0: Alright, everybody, welcome back to episode twelve of the Breaking Balls Podcast. It's the Ryan Blaney episode. So put down your window nuts a little prematurely and let's uh let's talk a little racing this weekend at everyone's favorite track. No sarcasm, it's Texas weekend. And uh, a little football too, don't be add.
1: Oh yeah, week three of the NFL, we've got a matchup of legendary quarterbacks in the afternoon's plate, Geno Smith versus Marcus Mariota.
0: Not Brady Rogers?
1: Nope. ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 12 of the breaking balls podcast we've got a huge slate of the nfl this week so we figure we'll start you off there before we get you into the nascar playoff talk um bob pretty interesting week of nfl games coming up a couple intriguing matchups a couple games that i don't think i really have any interest in watching but i guess we may as well start tomorrow night as the week starts with the game that I almost forgot about the Steelers versus the Browns. What's your thought on that
0: one, Bob? You know, we are not going to mention the fact that we had to look up this game was tomorrow night about 20 minutes ago. That's not the point here, Adam. Uh, Look, you go from last week, the Chiefs and the Chargers. Everyone's so excited about the first Thursday night game on Amazon Prime. It's the new shiny toy. And then we're right back into that old Thursday night mud. We've got the Browns and the Steelers, a gritty AFC North battle. It's going to be a big 10 versus big 10 offense out there. It's going to be uh, it's going to be it's going to be rough on the eyes at times I think they're at. What do you think?
1: Yeah, um I can already feel the ball getting ready to be punted multiple times. Um, this has big 10 feel to say the least. I mean, all the fireworks of a big 10 conference game coming at you on a Thursday night. Um I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions for that Steelers offense. Where are they going to get production from? I think last week we really saw how much the Steelers struggled without T.J. Watt. Um, You know, defensive line having a really hard time getting pressure. Um, You know, hard to get a feel for this one because, you know, we're still kind of early in the season. Don't really know what we've got, but I don't like what the Steelers have going right now. But what do you think, Bob?
0: You know, I'm going to actually disagree with you there a little bit. I think the Steelers just overall talent-wise, I think they're a little bit better of a roster construct than the Browns have right now, especially at the quarterback position. I'll be honest, your ad, this time last year, you know, if you had said that you got to see Jacoby Brissett versus Mitchell Trubisky, it probably would have been quarter two of a preseason game. So, uh, you know, hey, good for uh, the national audience getting a a barn burner like this. Uh, I think Trubisky's got a couple weapons that um, the Browns just are lacking right now. yeah, that Steelers defense is missing T.J. Watt. Definitely a huge hole there. But I don't know. I just I, I like that Mike Tomlin's got that uh, that franchise just kind of stable. There's nothing stable about Cleveland. That's for damn sure. Uh, just one of those things on a short week. I'm going to go with the consistent team as always there.
1: Yeah, I think you know the more you talk about it, the more I'm convinced on the Steelers. The one thing that has me kind of leaning the other way on this one would be Chunt. Um, Kareem Hunt and, you know, Nick Chubb, they've been really good. I think, you know, like we said, TJ Watt's out. I just think that the Steelers are a completely different team, uh, without TJ Watt, but, and I think people forget, you know, the Browns were a, a really just a dumb play to say the least, but. You know, they were still a play away from beating, you know, beating the Jets and that type of thing, but can't have those types of mental mistakes. I don't know. I don't think the Browns are as bad as we think they are. told Jacoby that's doing a good job, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers end up pulling this one out or keep it close. What's the line on this one, Bob?
0: Four and a half, uh, according Ooh. to our friends out in the desert.
1: Oh, I like that number.
0: Just large I'm enough really... that. Uh... You know, the Steelers, even if they lose by a field goal there, if it's a close game yeah. on a sloppy Thursday night game, I think the unders probably another play under 38. Just, you know, both teams that like to run the ball, that game script, it's going to be one of those kind of war of attrition games. I think just who can kind of control the game there and just kind of come away with the last possession. I, I don't see it being, you know, a 38-31 30, game. That's for damn sure.
1: No, it definitely feels like one of those games that, uh, you know, you set down like, as you know, I'm a West Coast football fan, so I sit down and finishing up work and that type of thing. And I feel like I'm going to look at my computer, look down, and then look up real quick, and it's going to be the second quarter. I mean, these people love to run the ball, so don't blink; you'll miss something tomorrow.
0: Some gritty AFC North football there, Ad. Uh, let's hey, put uh, your
1: hand in the dirt and let's see what happens.
0: You know, let's let's transfer to the true home of gritty football, though old school gritty football. We're going to go to Soldier Field in Chicago. Uh, Gritty doesn't even begin to describe the Texans with that offense. Again, if you can name five players on that team, please tweet us. Please text us. Please message us. We would love to have you on the show because we sure still don't even three weeks into the season. (laughs) Uh, Bears getting two and a half. You know, is the Justin Fields project taking a turn? They almost looked like they were going to have the Packers on the ropes. Then they have a touchdown turned over in the second half. Packers roll away. Had to the Bears kind of keep somewhat of a little momentum going here or? Is Davis Webb the answer in Houston? Davis Mills. Davis Mills, goodness.
1: I mean, you're probably thinking, well, I don't know why you're thinking Webb. I mean, that man's got an absolute tree stump of a neck, on Davis Mills. <laughs> that, man, that man looks like one of the toe people from Spy Kids. Like, no joke. Like, oh, man. which was all neck.
0: Which was, it was nightmare fuel as a child, by the way.
1: Yes. Oh, no. One of the more terrifying things in the... Uh, in the movie universe for a G-rated movie. But anyway, um, you know, I think my problem with the Bears is, is Justin Fields, has only thrown the he only threw the ball, what? Like 11 times last game, something stupid like that? I mean, mm-hmm. they're running the ball a ton. I think that doesn't necessarily – and the problem is, is that when they're running the ball, they're not even really running the ball creatively. So it's not like their run game is, you know, kind of revolutionary like you see a little bit with Kyle Shanahan out in, out in uh, San Francisco – but as things, you know, as things set, I mean, these the Bears just don't. There's nothing there. I mean, there's nothing there that really excites me. I think Justin Fields is a band aid on the long term problem that is the Bears' quarterback position. Um, I am just not confident to ever say I think the Texans are going to win this game because I don't know five players on the team.
0: That's hard to argue. That hard to argue yeah. that, especially in pro football, where you need some guys out there. You need some guys that can separate themselves. And you look at that Texans offense, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks, there's a couple guys that are good players, but you know, ultimately just hard to move the ball consistently uh, against any team. Yeah. So I think the Texans are getting there. I think they are well-coached. It's getting better than the David Cully era. Uh, that was a disaster. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I kind of am inclined to go with the Bears here. Just, you know, think they've got a little more talent, better quarterback, just a little more to lose here. It's still a rebuild year of the Texans. There's a lot more pressure on the Bears to have a little bit more of a life this year um, as far as the longevity for the season. So um, that being said here, longevity of a season, one team already backed up against the wall here at the Colts. They are at home against the Chiefs. They are five-and-a-half-point underdogs. Chiefs have looked great to start the year here. I mean, is this is one of those games where they keep the momentum up, or is this one where... Kind of see a little bit more of a regression. The Chiefs come down to earth, and the Colts, you know, backs against walls. Is this a must-win for them? Do you think they come out and win?
1: I don't think you can say it's must-win in Week Three, but this is about as close as you can get to a must-win game. I know that's a cliche thing to say as far as a podcasting or sports takes go, but um, there hasn't been much to give you hope if you're a Colts fan. Um, I think we've made that pretty clear on this podcast, and. <laughs> I think they got to find a way to get Jonathan Taylor going um, unless they do that. I don't really think they stand a chance in this game um, because if it turns into a shootout, um, let's just say all the weaponry is with the Chiefs, to say the least. So uh, I really like the Chiefs in this game. The Colts haven't really showed me anything. If they can control the ball, they may be able to hang in and do something fluky, but I don't know. I don't think so.
0: I'm, I'm with you, Ad. I just It's one of those things. The Colts on paper look like a great team, and then you look at them on the field, and it just doesn't gel t- together. And I know it's early there with Matt Ryan, but you know, that's a decent defense right there that hasn't looked great this year. They got pushed around in Jacksonville. Uh, this Chiefs offense is a weld machine already, it looks like. I just don't see them getting slowed down. And if it does turn into a track race, like you said, who are you going to take? An aging Matt Ryan with, if he has his top two receivers back, they're going to be dinged up, or... Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and this full string, full go Chiefs offense. I just think it's a. I think it's just an easy, easy win for the Chiefs there. I really do. I think the Colts are in danger, um, but that being said, you said it's a must win. AFC South is so wide open because the next team we're going to look at, the Raiders, are coming across the country here, Adam, to beautiful Nissan Stadium, in the wide open, god awful division that is the AFC South. Uh, you know, you talked about the Colts needing a must win. Titans are in the same boat. 0 oh, and two, Jags with a one-game lead. <sighs> Devonte Adams just gonna be Nissan's daddy. What's what's gonna happen here?
1: Um, yeah you've you've got the matchup right that you've got to watch. Um, yep, it's it's Devonte Adams versus the Titan secondary. Um, to tell you that that Titan secondary shouldn't have showed up to film after that Monday night game. Um. Probably a real tough day in the film room. Um, you know, coming off a short week, at least they've got a chance to kind of prove themselves a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that's the matchup. You got to see how they'll defend the pass. Um, you know, I really like to see the Titans get Derrick Henry going. Um, you know, couldn't get anything going on the Monday night game. Um, just kind of really loaded the box and just basically tried to make Santa Hill beat him and, um, not too, uh, not to kick my co host while he's down, but.
0: Uh, I'm already down at It's okay. I, I,
1: I think we're headed towards that part of the season where Ryan Tannehill elevates and everybody gets excited and thinks that Ryan Tannehill is the answer long term. And I think ultimately he never will be. And that's the shot in the balls to my co host. And I apologize.
0: Hell, Ad. Right now, I will take that part of the Ryan Tannehill roller coaster. I will take the the upward trajectory back to crashing down. I we're at the very bottom of it right now. So listen, I will take the ride back up at this point. Uh, you, you mentioned Devontae Adams going against probably either Roger McCreary, uh, a, a rookie free or a rookie cornerback, or uh, an undrafted free agent corner. One of the three that the Titans have back there. That is. Dangerous. If you're not watching this, Adam just did the Lord's Prayer because that is not a good recipe in this league with a grown man like Devontae Adams. That said, the Titans, I'm really curious to see how this offensive line looks. Like you said, they got pushed around in Buffalo. Like you said, Henry couldn't get anything going. When they did run the ball, there was guys that were just unblocked in the backfield making plays. Can't have that. You have to have a hat on a hat. Uh, And so I'm very curious to see if the Titans' offensive line comes out this week challenged even without Taylor O'Wan. And if the Titans' offensive line actually can pass block and run block, Tannehill will have actually opportunities to look downfield. Didn't get that on Monday night, so I don't know. I Raiders are a two-point favorite. I'm going to pick the Titans just because I am just uh, I'm an abused, abused lover, and at this point, at I, I don't know how else to say it. So, yeah,
1: you know, just for the sake of uh, kind of. Cleansing myself from getting absolutely eviscerated by our social media guy Randy and the uh, curb your enthusiasm clip. Um, I think I'm going to have to distance myself at least for this week and pick.
0: It's fine.
1: <laughs> if, you,
0: if you wanted to do this podcast alone, Adam, you just had to say it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Um, listen, let's let's go on a happier subject here. I need, I we brought the mood down. Let's go let's go to my happy place here for a minute because I love Mister McDaniel's down in Miami and the boys down in Teal and South Beach. They've got a test as uh, the wagons are circling. They're coming back down from North up in Buffalo and the Bills are coming to town in what is already an AFC East showdown. Two undefeated teams, two and zero really probably the game of the week when you look at the schedule here, Adam. Uh, Tua versus Josh Allen. Bills Dolphins. Uh, it is right now, I believe, a Buffalo six-point spread. Uh, thoughts on this game, my friend? Going to be a good one?
1: Yeah, you know, Bob, uh, I was uh, watching the news a little bit before we started getting going on this podcast. You know, I'm a man of the world. I like to keep things uh, worldly, understand what's going on. And uh, rumor has it there's a little bit of a storm that's uh, been brewing off the coast of Florida, dare I say, a hurricane of sorts that is spinning and the winds are really ripping through. And little do we know that coming down south from the great city of Buffalo is Josh Allen and his brigade of Buffalo Bills coming down to see if they can take out young Shula and Tua and the Madden offense. That is the Miami Dolphins, Bob. This game is so exciting! I can't handle it. I'm so excited to see who that man is. What is that man? Why is that man? And how is that man? And I think we're going to get that answer <laughs> in this game. What do you think?
0: I'm I, I, I'm fired up. I'm ready for. I'm ready for Sunday already. That game is going to be a just showcase of great talent, some great offensive schemes. Uh, just you know, two teams that. When you put them up against each other, I mean, they're so different, too. That's the thing. They're very different teams. Very different football teams.
1: I mean, if we're going to look at it, if these football teams were cigarettes, I mean, let's say <laughs> What? Hold on, Bills, what? Bills, no, you listen to me and you listen to me good. The Buffalo Bills <laughs> are the Marlboro Reds of, of, of football teams. They're exactly what they were as advertised. They're heavily advertised, and they are performing exactly as you expect them to. However... We've got the Miami Dolphins, the Marlboro Lights of football teams. Not necessarily what you want out of a typical football team, but you can smoke them quickly, and they can go wherever you want them. The ladies, love them when they get drunk. Let me tell you, man, this Miami Dolphins team is something to be excited about, and we got a cigarette matchup in South Beach. It's cigarettes in South Beach. It goes together like cake and icing. I'm telling you, this one's going to be fun, Bob.
0: Like waffles and cocaine, I guess. Uh, I, hey, man. Yeah. Listen, I, I not a SIG guy myself, so I don't understand that metaphor quite, quite, quite honestly. Neither am I. I don't know
1: what, you, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never, <laughs> smoked, never smoked a drunk cigarette in my
0: life. Of course. Of course not. Of course not. Um, but anyway, I, I just I love this game. I think this is going to be Miami's kind of coming out party. I know the, the, the Baltimore game, the comeback kind of got the league on notice, but – I think people have really underestimated this team and the talent that they have. That defense from last year is completely back. They were elite last year. You add someone like Tyreek Hill to this offense. I've been saying it every damn week because it's true. This team is hard to stop, and I think they're right on the heels of Buffalo, and I think that they're going to catch them early. You know, everyone's been saying Buffalo this, Buffalo that. That's why they play the game, Ad. And you get a, a team that's hungry and well coached with, with something to prove. You know, that's a dangerous football team in Miami, a dangerous team at home this week.
1: And I hear you, but you know, Bob, at the end of the day, um, I think the demographic in Florida is still a little bit older. So dare I say, they wouldn't appreciate a coming out party in Miami. So I got the bills in this game. And I just that, think, that, uh, I think that the bills are going to come down and conservatively circle the wagons and prevent a coming out party in Miami. I just think it's going to happen. I got the bills on this one.
0: I, I honestly, that's that's pretty solid argument there i'm no i'm not a lawyer i can't say for sure but i'm going to default to the profession here so i mean <laughs> on that note Ad, uh we're going to go to a little bit more of a it's a it's an interdivisional game here not not as quite uh uh, media-focused probably, but, hey, a lot of talent, in my opinion, on this one. The Lions and the Vikings, I think this one's going to surprise people. I think you're going to see this on the Red Zone channel a lot if you catch my drift here. Uh, but I, I, you know, two teams that are, you know, young coaches, I, lot to prove in a, a division that's been dominated by Green Bay as of recently. Uh, what do you what do you think about this matchup here, Ad? What, what what's got what's what's got your mind ticking on the Vikings and the Lions? Or which I believe, let me pull up the spread here for you real quick. Uh, Minnesota by six. Ooh. Minnesota by six.
1: Minnesota by six over the Motor City, huh?
0: Fat par or a fat spread there.
1: I don't know about that one, man. I really like this Lions team, and I don't know if it's because I watched them on Hard Knocks. I'm not sure if that's worn off yet for me. But I don't know, man. This offense has got something. Uh, Almond Ross St. been really, really good. Um, you know, Jared Goff's out there slinging the rocks. He really looks like he's kind of found his own, found his rhythm in that offense. Um, yeah, I really like what the Lions have going on. Um, that being said, uh, Kirk Cousins, I don't know what we're going to get. I, I don't know what it looks like. I hate that Dalvin Cook wears number four now, by the way. That I hate that. Crazy. Oh, my that God. Confuses, oh, my God. That confuses the hell out of me. Like, yeah. You know, here's the thing. I think for a long time we had the number rule and everybody was like, oh, my God, i so stupid. Why do we do this? And then they got rid of the number rule and you see some of the absurd things that people are doing. I'm like, okay. I
0: get it. I get it I now. I understand.
1: Yeah. I understood why they did it, but I'm, you know, I'm happy that, happy that we're deregulating numbers.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the Dalvin Cook thing. I was watching last week, looking for him, and I was like, "Who? who who's number four? I just I, it's yeah. a qualm. It's a qualm. But anyway, um, I I, I kind of like the Lions in this one at least to cover. I think they've got a lot of uh, firepower on offense. Even if they're even if the Vikings pull away in this one, uh, the way that the game can shift, I think that the the Lions can easily backdoor cover this here with that big of a gap there. Uh, that offense can move the ball, obviously. ball, ball, ball. ball. Uh, That offense can move the ball with uh, ease at times with Amon Ra and DeAndre Swift. Even Jared Goff hasn't looked bad this year to start, so uh, would not be shocked if the Lions came in there and pulled an upset, but I do have them covering, just like I said, it's a big number. Uh, Hey, Motor City Dan Campbell, man. He's biting kneecaps. Hard to say no.
1: Yeah, I mean, anybody who will say that He'll kick your ass. What was it? It was three three toes and a knee. I don't even know. Uh, it it God, was outlandish. It's, it's been a while since I've watched Hard Dog, thank God, because that means NFL's in full swing. Uh, you know what, Bob? Why don't we move on? Um, another game in the afternoon slate. Um, you know, I think Call of Duty Tyler um, was what? debunked last week, um, and he's got the Rams coming to town one in the afternoon Pacific because that's how I view these games. Bob, what do you think about this one? You got the Rams.
0: Yeah, you know, you watched the the Cardinals come back from dead last week when we were writing off Kyler, ready to basically throw him to the Wolves, and I was ready to do the same thing myself here. Still don't think that team is quite legit. You know, the Rams have that pedigree with the coaching, and Sean McVay, they've already been there. I just, look. Until the the Cardinals can do it on a consistent basis, I just – I have no reason to believe in them. Again, that Kyler Murray backyard school of offense, it's fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. If it was my quarterback, I would be stressed to hell watching it. But, you know, if it works, it works half the time. And when it doesn't, it really blows up in their face, and I'm not one to bet on that. So uh, give me consistency. Beautiful Sean McVay against a beautiful Cliff Kingsbury. The one with the rings, the one that I care about. So.
1: Yeah, this will be the game that your girlfriend-slash-fiance-slash-wife watches the most this week. And two very, very good-looking dudes on the sideline. You know, Bob, uh, you said it perfectly. You have no reason to believe in the Arizona Cardinals, and neither do I. But for some odd reason, I do this week. I think that, week, that win last week was huge for them. I think it's a galvanizing win. I think they're going to put some together here. I think, you know... The team's got that confidence in Kyler Murray. How couldn't you after watching that play where he basically, I mean, had two perfect PBR scores on that play? I think the play went on for something like eighteen, nineteen seconds. I mean, it was incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just think they're they're finding a way to win in Arizona. And I haven't liked the way the Rams have looked all year. I think Matt Stafford's got something up with his elbow. I don't think um, he's got the same zip on the ball and. I don't know. I think, the Cardinal, I think they underestimate the Cardinals, and I think they make them pay for it, especially at yeah.
0: No, that's – that's. Again, I, I like how you put the thing about uh, don't let your girlfriend watch this game. She's going to have it on in the background. And, uh, oh,
1: yeah. No, two exactly. good-looking
0: coaches. Hey, you know, wait. Hey, game respect game.
1: No, that's no, all, all I'm going to hey, say. Man, you've got, sometimes you just got to kick the cap knowing you beat.
0: Game respect game. Uh, we'll, we'll flip around here. Adam, there's there's a couple more here uh, before we get into uh, the two main that you teased in our intro here. Uh, but one of them, Eagles Commanders. You're Eagles 2-0, my friend, in, in the division. Playing host, or on the road, I'm sorry, on the road at beautiful FedEx Field. Lovely Andover, Maryland. The best stadium in football, probably. Bad. are the Eagles going to be 3-0 this week? Is the Jalen Hurts MVP train rolling?
1: Okay, a lot of hype around the Eagles, but I think a lot one of the things that not a lot of people are talking about about this game is, you know, like you said, Jalen Hurts is coming back to FedEx Field. And I'm just saying he better be bringing a psychiatrist. Because the last time he was there, that stadium attacked him, literally. It fell apart onto him. Oh, it did. were falling on top of him. And that's when I knew we had something in Jalen Hurts because he was picking people up, making sure they were okay, signing autographs, giving out hand towels. I I forgot about that. Remember that? The stadium literally collapsed. Yes. He's going back. He's got to go back. And, you know, I I think, you know, last time the stadium collapsed on, on Jalen Hurts, and this time I think the commander's defense collapses on their football team. And I think Jalen Hurts is going to throw the ball. He's going to run the ball. He's going to do whatever the heck he wants to out there against his commander's team. Because at the end of the day, guess who we're looking at on the other sideline? Prince Harry. Carson Wentz. You think that guy's going to beat us? Please. If Carson Wentz... What did Harry do to you? What did Harry do to me? What did Harry do to his sense of duty? God rest the Queen.
0: I'm not even going to um, comment there. Um, I think the Eagles are going to win. That's all I have to say about that. Adam is cut off from the rest of uh, the Eagles talk for the night. Um, moving on, uh, respecting our elders up in New York, the Jets, Joe Flacco, elite. Need to mention that real quick. Elite, 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 Joe Flacco. Joe Burrow, not elite. 0 and 2. Ooh, I. Wait, did I read that right? Joe Burrow oh and two. Hold on, Ad. What? He was the gold boy this offseason. What?
1: Are you I mean, kidding me? I mean, have you watched their games? I mean, he's running for his life back there, Bob. I mean, we've been we heard about the improved Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, and it's like been, us out
0: there. It's like you and me out there. We're the left side.
1: Nah, I mean, we at least cut. I mean, we'd at least do something. I mean, we go
0: for the knees. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. No, we go for the knees. One hundred percent. Yeah, we'd be a very dirty duo on the field. It would be bad.
0: I but, I like the Bengals to bounce back here. Um, that being said, the Jets have impressed me this year. They are definitely not a cakewalk team, even without Zach Wilson in there. Joe Flacco has been serviceable. Uh, they've they've really schemed around him, and he's shown a resurgence here. I mean, he's second in the league, I believe, in passing. That's not by fluke. I mean, Joe Flacco is playing at a very high level because he is elite. Again, I need to mention that. Joe Flacco is elite.
1: Amen. And, honestly, very fun matchup to keep your eye on. I don't often watch receivers versus defensive backs, but you've got a chance of getting Jamar Chase versus Soft Gardner all day. I mean, that could be an interesting one to watch. especially Absolutely. You know, Soft Gardner's kind of big, his first big test in his NFL career against a guy like Jamar Chase with him bunch of speed, and you know Joe Burrow is going to be looking for him, so should be an interesting one to watch. You're a fantasy
0: owner. Yes, well, yes. And then we've got in the afternoon here, real quick, ad, Jags Chargers. Justin Herbert, I guess, is going to be out there against Trevor Lawrence in a, a young quarterback battle that should move the needle, but not really anybody is talking about this one. Uh, Jags are in first place in the AFC South here because uh, the simulation is spinning out of control. But um, that Lawrence and Christian Kirk combo has been working so far. And the Jags have, you know, not shit the bed. So, I mean, hey, are they going to keep the momentum up or is the train over in uh, in L.A.?
1: Um, this wouldn't even be a question in my mind if Justin Herbert were completely healthy. But that being said, if Chase Daniel has to play, I see this game being a lot more even just because Trevor Warren has the raw ability did I mess something up here? What was that? No, what's
0: that? Well, I just... I are we gonna are we gonna do some chase Daniel I Z slander? Are we really gonna?
1: No, okay. I mean the okay. man's been getting the bat. I, mean, the I was gonna say he the is bat.
0: the pinnacle of an athlete. What every athlete wants to be is Chase Daniel. Let's let's not get it twisted here. He well, is I'm the king right. of sports.
1: And I understand, but I okay. think we can all admit if you would like to win football games. Chase Daniel is likely not your starting quarterback. Okay. Okay. So that would be my biggest issue. I think um, if if Justin Herbert plays, the question is how healthy is he, and then the question becomes how well do they protect him. Personally, I think it's too early in the year. This game is out kind of the division. It's pretty inconsequential. I would consider sitting Justin Herbert in this one just to get him healthy because your division is such a slobber knocker I mean you need your quarterback in this division I mean there's no room for air even with the Broncos being you know bad to start I think eventually they will come to form um yeah I there's too much on the line for Justin Herbert in this one I really hope he makes a good decision for his health and the long-term health of the Chargers
0: agreed everything especially the end there I hope they make the right long-term decision Big picture here. Obviously, you know, like you said, that division's a gauntlet. You need everyone you can. But this one, not being in the division, it's Jacksonville. Your team is talented enough to win this game without Justin Herbert. You built that roster in mind for games like this. Uh, so, that being said, if he can be out there, absolutely put him out there. But it's not worth risking your entire season for one week. That said, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I
1: mean, they spent a bunch of money on their defense this offseason, really improving everything. Now's the time you lean on that money that you spent. Go out there and let your defense win you a game. Have Chase Daniel manage the game, and let's get Justin Herbert healthy so you guys can make an AFC West run. I'm so tired of seeing the Chargers be bad.
0: No, I, I'm with you. I will say the one thing that is in Justin's favor, that game on uh, the Chiefs last week being on Thursday night, gives him a little extra time to get ready, get a little healthier in theory. They said he's day-to-day, so really we're not going to know anytime soon until probably Saturday at the most when they're kind of going through walkthrough and kind of getting ready. So, um, just something to monitor for sure as we go into the weekend. And we're talking about quarterbacks. You previewed it in the intro, my friend. We have got a doozy. We've got two legends of the game going at it on Fox. The NFC is going to be all eyes on um, uh, nope, never mind. Not Tampa Bay and no, Green Bay. No. If- Falcons Seahawks, that's the one. Yep, Geno Smith and Marcus Mariota. No, I'm just kidding. That, that game's happened. I think I don't. I don't really even care about that game. Uh, we've got the Packers of the Bucks, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I mean, that's what the networks want. You get star, You get the star power quarterbacks. Two Hall of Famers. Two of the goats. Any thoughts going into this one? Or are you just gonna kind of try and soak it in?
1: I mean, I think it's gonna be a fun one. Um, you know, you've got a. Uh... You've got a broken home, Brady, going against a uh, a psychedelic trip that is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, oh,
0: I mean, if anyone knows broken homes, though,
1: it's Aaron uh, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is comfortable in a broken home to say the least. Let's just say that Aaron Rodgers is well, very much has more family issues than Tom Brady. Brady's got him in the ring category. Rodgers has him in the family issues. Anyone. Anyway. yeah. Aaron Rodgers, if by some act of God you listen to this, we are sorry. That is all. I'm I not. Oh, oh, this shift in? Bob Perry hates Rodgers? I will say, oh, shout God. out to Aaron
0: Rodgers for, for defending Mike Vrabel on the Pat McAfee show on uh, on today, on Wednesday. That was a great comment, Aaron. That being said, nobody is safe on this podcast. Nobody is nobody gets anything free here. So.
1: Yeah, Take it really, like a man. Uh, yeah. Honestly, we should probably figure out a way to get a quarterback in here. You know, uh, we, should, we should probably find a way, I guess.
0: We'll have, we'll have Blaine Gabbert Tuesdays. That's what we'll do.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
0: but awesome. uh, no, I mean, this game, you know, obviously everyone's going to look at the quarterbacks here. you got to really look at the rosters. These are two teams that are kind of trending downward from the last couple years probably, um, at least Green Bay especially, um, losing Devontae Adams. And just kind of, you know, it's hard to replace some of these guys they've lost the last couple years. That defense is good just feels like they're kind of a step back right now. Uh, the Bucks, that defense is really good. They seem to struggle to move the ball against New Orleans, and Tom Brady showed that frustration. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not going to pick against Tom Brady, against Aaron Rodgers, just because the league historically has gone his way, and nothing ever goes Aaron Rodgers' way in big games. So give me Tom Brady and the Bucks here.
1: Let's just say I have had a um, a – how do I put this? a uh, massive change of heart, per se, almost like a chemical, a chemical change inside of me of sorts. And I think the tide is really going to shift here for Aaron Rodgers. I like Aaron Rodgers' chance in this game. I think, you know, you saw the whole team do ayahuasca in the end zone. I I think that's something that's a bonding experience for them after they scored that touchdown. So um, I feel like their chi will definitely be in flow and the Packers will take their cheese back to Green Bay and get a W.
0: That was cheesy. You think? That was cheesy. I like that, though. It ain't easy being cheesy. But uh, I I, I like that. But, um, Adam, since you're already riled up and in rare form here, let's look at the Sunday night game to close out this NFL slate, my friend. I don't even know if you know who it is.
1: Oh, oh, oh. hey, yo, hey, yo. Oh, he knows who it
0: is. He knows who it is. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. we've got Russell Wilson's Broncos country. Let's ride the meme of the century. You know, that corny ass quarterback versus, ladies and gentlemen, our resident Italian zone, Jimmy G and the Niners. Adam, the floor is yours, Mr. Garoppolo. Hey, yo,
1: Garoppolo. Guess how many wins he's got. He's got one win so far, Bobby. I'm telling you. This stuff for Jimmy G, he's going to keep it going. He's going to keep it going all the way on the NBC this week. I tell you, hey, tell your ma, turn on the TV, hit the clicker three times. It'll go to Channel 4, and she'll get to watch Jimmy Garoppolo on NBC. Because <laughs> let me tell you, she's going to be happier than when she saw old Blue Eyes on the TV for the first time. She's going to think that Frank Sinatra himself is back there throwing a football. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo, when the stars are shining and the lights are on bright, you're going to see who's supposed to be leading these San Francisco 49ers, baby. And it's Jimmy G. And it's not close. Break a leg, Trey Lance.
0: I wanna play the national anthem of Italy right now. That was beautiful. Um, you know, look on Sunday night football you're gonna oh, On Sunday night football you're gonna have Jimmy G under center and then you're gonna have Resident Italian Mike Tarico calling the game. We might as well play that some more aid to start the game.
1: Like yeah,
0: I mean oh. I mean the gabagool is gonna be overflowing. Let me tell you. Mike Tarico dangerously Italian calling the game. Jimmy G dangerously handsome Italian running the game. I like the Niners here. I I think that Russell Wilson, you know, the Broncos have had some weird moments the last couple weeks. I just think they're getting the kinks out. Wouldn't be surprised if they come out here and and win just because they're due for one of these games to put it together. But I just don't think it's this one. I think the Niners are trending in the right direction. Better coaching uh, Shanahan or Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, I I think it's one of those things that the Broncos are just not ready for the stage yet, and the Niners are. So I'm going to go Niners here and your beautiful, handsome resident
1: Italian. Yeah, I uh, I can't pick against Jimmy G or Kyle Shanahan at this point. I think uh, I think they're riding a little bit of momentum. I think you know every now and again you get an injury that'll galvanize a team, and regretfully I you know you hate to see it happen to Trey Lance because he's such a young guy, and they they really are kind of putting the future of the franchise on him. But in all seriousness, I really do like what Jimmy G brings to this team. I think um, Kyle Shanahan has a way of simplifying the offense around. Jimmy G because he's scared that he's going to mess things up to be honest with you if we're going to be frank but in turn I think there's a lot more high percentage plays on that play sheet for the Niners I think they have a chance to get a little bit risky from time to time um, I think this brings Kyle Shanahan down to earth and that's why I really like the Niners in this game I just think not going to you know kind of keep it simple you know not a, not a very complex game plan but I just think they've got they've got the Broncos. I think the Broncos have too many kings to work out this early in the season. I really like the Niners.
0: Well, decent little slate here, Ad. We've uh, we've gone through the whole NFL. Let's uh, let's do a little transition to amateur ball, uh, the collegiate level here. Well, it used to be. Well, it, it, it's it's fake amateur at least, but uh, they they market it as still amateur amateur, game. amateur
1: for now. Amateur
0: ish game, uh, but
1: diet amateur.
0: You know, it's
1: it's an interesting week.
0: We're seeing a lot more conference games starting. I think now they're starting to hit that. A couple games we just want to highlight, I think, and go through that. Um, The main one, I think, in the afternoon probably is the Florida Tennessee game game day. A couple of those major outlets are going to be there. You know, Florida two one, back and forth, ups up and down year already. You know, come out with that huge Utah win, Uh, Tennessee. 11th in the country. They're getting 10.5 now. This line is going up. It's been shooting up. I think it started at 6 at home. Historically, Florida's had the balls number, even no matter what the direction these teams are. Weird shit happens in this game. More of the same, or is this finally, you know, Tennessee's kind of putting it together here, Ad. Is this, is this going to be my hell hellscape of a year or what?
1: Uh, good old Rocky Top, but not good enough. Um, I don't think they've got what it takes to beat Florida. Um, I think, like you said, we've had a real yo-yo season, a very, very typical season of Florida going up and down. Like you said, big win at Utah. I think they settle in. Um, They've been in a bigger game than this already this year. I don't think you could say the same about Tennessee, to be honest with you. So I really like Florida in this game. I think they're going to come ready to play.
0: I do like the way how you put that, you know, Florida's had those moments already this year where they've been tested, whether they've gone one way or the other, they've been in both situations. So that is something to definitely keep in mind. And this Tennessee offense is hard to stop. Um, that said the Florida athletes are going to be so much better than what Tennessee has seen this year from Akron and, um, I don't even know who the first game was, but regardless, I mean, they blew him out. Um, I think it was Ball State. Regardless, uh, you know, Tennessee hasn't seen the athletes that Florida has, so I definitely think it's going to be closer than people think. If they think this game is going to be a blowout, they don't know this rivalry. That is the farthest thing. If Tennessee has it in the bag against Florida, that never happens. So I think most Ball fans realize that too, but the national media probably doesn't realize that as closely. So definitely think this one's going to be a one-possession game one way or another. It being in Tennessee, you got to think that the home crowd's going to be pushing them a little bit further. Plus, I think they're just a little more talented. They've got a little bit more to lose. So I hate saying it. I think that the Vols do win this one this year, but I do think it's close. I, I think that they, I don't think they cover, but I think they win.
1: All right. I like where your head's at. You know, kind of makes you wonder. I think, uh, I won't, I'll, you know, I'll say it for you. Bob is not. The biggest fan of the University of Tennessee, so yeah. to, to hear him uh, to hear him pick it, kind of has me a little bit shocked. It's the first nice thing I've heard him say about the University of Tennessee. So, congratulations, Bob. It's nice to see you. Turn you know what? Here.
0: Look, folks that are listening, don't get used to it. Okay, don't don't get used to it. So, uh, moving on, we've got. Uh, let's see here. At Arkansas A and M will stay in the South here. Uh, at Jerry World, the uh, old Southwest classic, Sam Pittman's Hogs, 3-0. They're actually two-point underdogs at AM. You know, Jimbo and the crew right in the ship after the App State upset. They had national title hopes. I think that's pretty much been derailed. The opposite's for Arkansas. The sky's the limit for them and Sam Pittman. KJ Jefferson you know, could be a sneaky dark horse contender for the Heisman if they keep this up. Is this is this the Hogs year? They gonna are they gonna roll into Jerry World and come out three and zero or um, Jimbo like got the number?
1: Them. I like them, Bob. I'm telling you, I think uh, I think the Hogs they've got something up front, man. I have really liked watching Arkansas the past few years because they've just been so dominant in the trenches and that offensive line can straight up move people. Um, I think Texas Tech has the better athletes. I think. Um, I think they're definitely building something at Arkansas, but Jimbo's definitely kind of got that, uh, got a little bit more financial backing, you'll say. Um, a little more talent on the field. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I just think Arkansas plays really, really sound team football, and I think it's, you know, I think we've seen that that can beat this Texas A&M team, so I wouldn't be surprised. I really like Arkansas to continue this season, continue the hype train, and Let's get on. Woo-pin.
0: Well, for once, we have some good podcast content, Ad, because I actually completely disagree with everything you just said. I think that AM is so much better than Arkansas. Uh, I, I know that Arkansas has the quarterback and they have the seniority there. Obviously, like you said, the line. They've been blowing dudes off the ball at times this year. They've been in moments, whether it was at Cincinnati or the South Carolina games, where they've had close games that they've had to overcome adversity, but they were also at home for these games. And when you really look at Cincinnati and South Carolina, their two biggest wins already haven't looked great the last couple of weeks. So, not sure that, that those wins are that much impressive, especially being at home. And yeah, AM lost to App State, but I think that, like you said, they just have so much talent on that roster. I think Jimbo's building something there. This is one of those games I think that AM just kind of shows that, you know, the pecking order of the West goes Bama, and then I think it goes right back down to them. So, I don't see Arkansas winning this one. I think that AM. Comes away, actually, at least a touchdown winner.
1: Okay, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, I guess, you know, Bob, another game that we could take a look at really quickly, kind of a sneaky game in my opinion, Wake Forest and Clemson. I think Wake Forest is better than being ranked 21st, and I think Clemson is a lot worse than being ranked 5th. So I've got my upset alert on this one, Bob. I'm not going to lie. I don't – there's nothing really that I can tell you Other than the fact that when I look at this game on paper, I think Clemson thinks they're a lot better of a football team than they actually are. I think they may end up taking this Lake Forest team a little bit too lightly. And I like their chances in this game because of it. I don't think Clemson is where they once were. And I like it. I like this pick for an upset. What do you think?
0: I don't think Clemson's a top five team. I think they're vastly overrated as far as the landscape goes here. I think they're going off that name Brandon Dabo, and just kind of you know where they were the last couple years. You know, losing both their coordinators, uh, Brent Venables being there for so long, that's going to take some time to rebuild and get some you know repetition back in there, some comfort. So um, I think they're just kind of riding the ship there. That being said, Clemson's got a lot of talent. I, I this game is weird, Ad. I, Wake Forest can move the ball. So well that, you know, if you get into a track meet, Clemson can't very much move the ball. Uh, DJU is not that good of a quarterback, at least uh, has not been in his last couple starts since he got to Clemson, basically, ever since he got to the college game. So um, I'm very interested to see the contrasting game styles here. If it turns into a track meet, Wake can obviously pull away here. Clemson has the athletes, but uh, if Clemson can, you know, get those stops early on and show that, you know, Wakes not be able to move the ball and go that up-tempo, Maybe right. It, it really comes down to who can play their game. That's what it comes down to for me.
1: Yep, whoever plays, I agree with you. I think whoever plays their style of football in this one will probably come out victorious. I just, I don't know. I like Wakes' chances in this game. I really think they've, they've got a sneaky chance of winning this game. Uh, moving on, Bob, um, I think the one game that we're going to touch on very briefly is that Alabama is going to break, beat the Brakes off of Andy.
0: Yeah. Yep. That game's happening. 40 and a half point spread. Uh, Vandy can move the ball, but uh, Alabama's Alabama. I, you know...
1: Nothing more to talk about. Alabama's Alabama. There's nothing that Vandy's going to do. For our producer talk- Randy's
0: sake, I hope that I hope that Vandy has a good game.
1: I... <sighs> yep. Yes. Good luck, Randy. I'm sorry. Anyway. Yep. Um, moving on. Uh, I guess we could talk a little bit of Pac-12 after dark here. Um, why don't we... Started off with the University of Southern California going up to beautiful Corvallis, Oregon, to play Oregon State. Um, I like USC in this one. I don't think Oregon State's got much of a chance. Um, Lincoln Riley's machine, the war machine he's built in South Central Los Angeles moves forward, and they continue their dominance.
0: Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. Oregon State is actually building a decent program up there. Um, Sneaky, sneaky sneaky uptrend up in the, up in Corvallis, which,
1: Ed, have you ever been to Corvallis? Um, I have. I've driven, so Okay. I've never stayed.
0: Okay, you're the first person that I know I think that's ever been to Corvallis. I'm not convinced it's a real place.
1: It, it I'm not. Exists. Okay. Um, so I'm going to tell you, this actually okay. is going to give me, give me just a minute here. I have a friend, Ben Briglio, if you're listening to this, wherever you are, probably in South Florida somewhere, potentially on Strong Island, I don't know. But the reason I bring you up, Ben Briglio, is because Ben Briglio, as a a native of Long Island, New York, did not believe that the state of Utah exists. He believes it is a conspiracy. He just simply will not acknowledge it. We had teammates from Utah. You know, we had, shout out to Chris Williams, the uh, news anchor down in Waco, Texas, uh, covering all the Baylor football games, doing a great job. Um, he's from Utah, and they used to get in fights in the locker room because Utah was not a place for Ben. And Chris had to defend the Ta, man. He really just had to come out hard and defend the Ta. And speaking of places that don't exist, Utah. Maybe it doesn't exist. Shut up, Ben Briglia.
0: David Utah. Koresh did not let this country go to what it is for Utah to not be recognized, so... Um, there's our weekly David Koresh Baylor comment. If you're keeping track, I think that's six in a row. Congratulations. I had to work it in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to Corvallis. Again, don't think it's real place. But anyway, I think this is Oregon State Super Bowl. The fact that Pac-12 put them on the Pac-12 network at 630 at night for their biggest home game didn't give them respect to even network TV uh, it shows exactly what they think about this program. I think that Oregon State is going to come out and have a, um, a spark. I think the first half's going to be very competitive uh, but I just think the USC horses. I just I don't see them being able to keep up with them. You know, Martin, you know, Jordan Addison and um, Caleb Williams just they're too good. Talent overcomes everything in college, and at that point, I think USC is going to pull away. And I think, like I said, close first half, but USC will have a couple defensive stops, maybe a turnover here or there. And, uh, talent wins above all, so don't think th- don't think Oregon State will cover.
1: You know, I uh, mentioned the story about Utah potentially being a myth. But uh, one thing that is a confirmed myth is that Herm Edwards is no longer the coach at ASU. Um, And they are taking on Utah this week. Um, I think before we get into the game, Bob, fired on the field, Herm. I mean, what do you make of that, Bob?
0: That was a – this college football, if if someone tells you this sport's boring, you show them stuff like that where – You just get the most random, insane stuff. I mean, a coach getting fired by the AD, walking off the field, does not happen. I mean, that's a a new one, at least that I've seen. So um, I I don't know what that Arizona Arizona State program does. That was a weird hire in itself that didn't work, blew up in its face after a year or two. So not shocked to see that. Don't really know where they go from this. And I think that Utah um, just... Kyle Whittingham's just a great program leader. I think that Utah handles handles the uh, the Sun Devils.
1: Yep, I gotta agree with you. Well, uh, Bob, I think that uh, about wraps it up for the football talk. Unless you have got anything else you want to mention?
0: No, no, I think that's it. That's it for our podcast. Right, and we got nothing else to discuss. Nothing else. I think oh wait, you and
1: I both know that that is simply not true. Well, absolutely. As we, as we promised in the intro, we've got. In the round of twelve. A little bit of a reset preview here. Obviously, we did the big preview to begin the playoffs. Um, some of our predictions were correct. Most of them were incorrect. So, Bob and I are going to pick four more drivers that we think are going to be out of the playoffs. And maybe go through the races. Talk about you know things to watch. Obviously, keeping window nuts up at Texas. Who's going to keep themselves out of trouble at Talladega? We got the Roval. What do you make, Bob? What do you think of this whole thing? Who do you think moves on? Who do you got getting out? I mean, you start the conversation. There's so much to talk about. I'll let you pick.
0: You know, you look at the round of 12, and like you said, Texas, Talladega, the Charlotte Roval, obviously out of the three rounds, this is the one that is just the biggest wild card out of all of them. I mean, so much of a a variation of different driving courses, Obviously, this, this Oval in Texas, it is it is what it is. We've said on the, the show, you know, it's Texas. That's all you have to say. Uh, but that said, you get Talladega in there, just a complete lottery. One wreck can take everyone out. And then the Roval, it's the same thing. A lot of attrition. It's a long race. Weird shit happens. Um, this is one of those things where you got to have some luck, not just be a good driver. You have to have things go your way. You have to have luck, maybe a little bit of a combination of You know, relying on those regular season points, you've built up like Chase Elliott. Uh, We saw Larson last year basically almost get eliminated at Talladega. Uh, But because of those regular season points that he had, uh, it saved him and his team battled back. So uh, you could really make a case for probably six or seven guys at least getting eliminated here. And that's not even taking out the weird shit ad. Um do you want to go one-by-one one here? How do you want to do this? you just want to give your four? What do you want to do yeah, here, Fred? No.
1: Let's, let's go one-by-one. One. I think uh, I think there's one obvious one. I, you know Bob and I haven't really talked about these picks a whole time together, but uh, I think there's one obvious one, or at least in my mind, the most obvious pick is Daniel Suarez. Um, hasn't been able to really put anything together. Hasn't had a ton of speed in the playoffs. I just think this is where the show comes to an end for him. Uh, really lucked out with Bristol. Um, all the Toyotas having all that, all those types of issues, all sorts of guys having issues all over the track, self-included. But, um, you know, I think he really lucked into this round. I think his luck runs out. Um, my first person out is James Swarth.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I have Swarth out. Great story this year, that Trackhouse team. Credit to them for getting both cars in the round of 12, not only in the playoffs, but the round of 12. That's impressive. But I just I don't see that uh, that magic momentum keep going. So. Got Suarez out. Just think too much attrition in these races. Go Real ahead. Real
1: quick though, how about the uh, how about Minute Maid getting back into the sport um, on on the uh, on the ninety nine this week with the Aguas Fresca car? It looks awesome. Um, I think you know a ton of cool colors. Um, really love that scheme. Glad they're back in the sport. Always good to have the Coke products, you know, going around the track. Um, yeah, just exciting to see them back in the sport. I I, I was very surprised.
0: Yep. No, I agree. That that car looks good and getting big company sponsors like that. It's just, it's good for the sport. looks good. A great partner branding with Suarez and the Coke family there. Uh, Just, you know, makes sense. So, um, hate to see that, that, end that end of the story, but I think it's just, you know, time. So, um, another guy, younger driver, I think they're building towards something in the future. I think Chase Briscoe getting into the round of 12 was already a win for them this year. Uh, being the last remaining Stuart Haas car is obviously a feat of itself outlasting Kevin Harvick. Um, But that said, I just, I, you know, Briscoe's a decent road course driver, uh, but I just, I, these first two tracks, I don't see him. I think maybe something happens at Talladega. He's an aggressive driver, just recipe for success there. And then if you're going into the Roval being nearly perfect and Briscoe's an aggressive driver, not a good recipe for success for me. So I have him out in the next round.
1: You know, um, I actually got to disagree with you on that one, Bob. I uh, I like Chase Briscoe's chances. Um, I think he's been running well. Like you said, the only Stuart Haas car left. So I think he's kind of going to get their best shot, their best crack at this for him. Um, and I think he's going to take advantage of it. I could see them running a smart race at Talladega and kind of trying to stay out of trouble. Like you said, normally an aggressive driver. But I, I don't know. I could, I think... Given the climate, I think there's going to be guys who will be more aggressive than Chase Briscoe, who will get out. And one of those guys who I think instead of Chase Briscoe is Daniel Suarez's teammate at uh, Trackhouse, Ross Chastain. I think Ross Chastain is going to exit stage left out of the round this round of the playoffs. I think uh, I think the clock strikes midnight on the uh, on the Cinderella run that is Trackhouse this year. And I think Ross has too much in the bank, um, too much, too many notes at the bank that he's got to pay on. And I think somebody, especially with some of these drivers that were just eliminated, maybe a little more frustrated, I think we may see them race Ross a little bit harder than they need to. And especially, you know, you can make things look like an accident at Talladega and Texas. And the Roval, I mean, the opportunities are there at every turn. So. I just yeah. don't think – I don't think this is a round that Ross Chastain makes it through. He's just got too many notes that he's got to pay on. And if they don't and if he makes it through, then I don't want to hear shit from any of these NASCAR drivers. let <laughs> time, talk, oh, well, we're going to get him back. We're going to get him back. <laughs> So do it shit or get off the pot, NASCAR drivers. It's about time.
0: Okay, well, uh, yeah. I mean, he's living on borrowed time. Everyone's been saying it all year – the most unpredictable round. It makes sense. I mean, it's a recipe to, to add up for an elimination. So, um, Adam, I don't want to steal your thunder here. I know we're halfway through. So why don't you go ahead and give me your third pick? Cause I see your uh, name on this call. Um, go
1: ahead. No, 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 Goodbye. Ryan Blaney, that's for you. I think your luck's about to run out. I think you're another one of these guys who's had a horseshoe up your ass all year, didn't win a race to get in, broke poor Martin Truex Junior's heart, goddammit, and I don't think I can I can stand it any longer. I think uh I think it's time for old Blaney to go home. like I said, I just think his luck runs out. He's had speed, but they just keep finding ways to kind of mess that car up. Um yeah, I don't I don't trust him moving forward. I think Blaney's not.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with you. That's kind of why I wanted to let you have that. I they're living on borrowed time, man. Those last couple of elimination races, they're just they're they're again, they're overcoming this adversity and they're they're withstanding it, but you can only do that so many times before you fought with disaster the wrong way. So, I just I think that, you know, their consistency this year has been good, but it's faltered the last couple months and it's put them in a tough position. So, um got the Blaney team out as my third team. Um, what about your last team out, Ad? Who 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 do you got here?
1: Well, it's going to shock you, but Death, Taxis and me doubting Alex Bowman. I think Alex Bowman's out. Um, I had him out in the first round. Um, somehow figured out a way to get through. Um, just another one of these guys. I think. I think this is a trap. This is this is where the cream's going to start rising to the top a little bit, and I think Bowman falls down with the milk, and uh, that's just how it's going to be.
0: Well, I disagree with Bowman. I, I think that they've kept enough speed. I think those Hendrick cars, especially at these tracks, they're going to be okay. Although I am a little nervous those last two with Talladega and the Roval for Bowman. Not his best tracks at all. But I'm going to go out on a limb here because this is fun here, at I I went down to two different teammates here. I wasn't sure what I was going to do here. But when you look at the tracks here, I wanted to pick Austin Cindrick because it seems like everyone thought he was going to be out in the first sixteen. Battled back, barely got in, beating Kyle Busch out. But you look at these next tracks. He's a very good plate racer. The Penske cars historically have been really good. And then the Roval, he's a great road course racer. So if he can tread water at Texas, he's going to be okay. So I'm going to go with his teammate, Joey Logano, out in the round of 12. Oh, no,
1: Joey Logano and his hot-ass wife?
0: And his hot-ass wife. He's going to have plenty of time to take care of the two kids at home. A couple, couple of midget laps in the little concrete little track he's got at home. I've got Joey Logano out. Uh, you know, hasn't performed great at Texas historically. Not a, not a great Penske track there. He's a very aggressive dri- driver, a very aggressive blocker. Yes, again, I said those Penske cars are great at super speedways. Fords historically dominate those tracks. But Joey is so aggressive. All it takes is one aggressive block, and he's out of the race. And so I just, that's a concern for me especially with the points as tight as they are. I'm banking on him wrecking out of the race. And then at the Roval, he's not a great road course racer and Cindric is. And so when it came down to the difference, I think the tracks fit Austin Cindric. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I think Joey Logano gets eliminated in the round of 12 as an upset. I do.
1: I mean, I'd like to see it. I just, I don't know about <laughs> that, I, you know, I think, you know, I'll be rooting you on, but uh, that's a bold one. I like it. I like where your heart's at with that. Um, you know, I think we mentioned my name with Bye-Bye Blaney, um, but I think we've got a, a little bit of a bolder prediction in your name. So Chris Bell headed into the Final Four? Bob, you're you're buying that one?
0: And I've been saying it since our very first play, playoff preview. I had him in my Final Four. I told you on that podcast I wanted to make him my champion, but I just thought, you know, he didn't have that closing factor. He hadn't really been in those late-race moments, and I think some of those guys that just – a little bit more ready for this moment. Chris Bell's building toward the future. But that being said, he has been the most consistent Toyota driver all year. That first round, he was by far the class of the field. I mean, he locked himself into Bristol before, or locked himself into the next round before Bristol. And then probably had the best car at Bristol, if we're going to be quite honest here. So, you know, I just, man, again, you watch, he's going to get eliminated here because he's only 13 up. I hate that the cutoff rounds reset, by the way. There should be some kind of reward for someone like Chris Bell who did so well to, you know, I just be rewarded. There's gotta be some kind of way to, to make it. But um I digress. I just think that he's got a, a hot hand right now. The Toyotas, Tim and Danny, and that's it. So lot, a lot of lot of eyes are gonna be in that car.
1: You know, Bob, I think uh I think I, I definitely agree with you. Chris Bell's had way too much speed. Um he, he's just running so well right now. It's gonna be hard to pick against him, period. Um, you know, another guy that you know, maybe not as obvious as had speed lately, but somebody who I think is due um, is, you know, Kyle Larson. I think it's been, it's been enough time now. You know, we've all kind of forgotten about the five car he's running, you know, running around having some issues every now and again, especially at Darlington, you know, the issues were well documented, but I think the five car may be due for a win there. I just, I think it's about the time of year where, like I said, the cream rises to the top, and I don't think you get better cream in the sport of NASCAR than Kyle Larson. And I think, you know, one of these courses, I think I think it's Texas this week. I think he's got a really good shot at winning this race. I think uh I think it's all gonna come together for him. Of course I may be trying to speak this into existence because I am a Kyle Larson fan, but um I don't know. He just feels due on this one. What do you think about that, Bob?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's he, I mean, especially at these intermediate tracks, he's so darn good. Um Texas, he's been historically pretty good at. I know he won the playoff race last year, so uh, this is definitely the racist but Sunday, I think, to watch for Larson if he's gonna have success. Uh we all know his struggles with super speedway, so I you know I he's gonna have to really make some good headway at Texas so he doesn't have to worry about that at, at uh at Talladega, because I think he's gonna be okay at Charlotte. So um, not too worried about Larson getting eliminated. I think, like you said, he's been running well. Uh, I think he was either third or fourth in playoff cars for the first round. So I mean, he's got he's got speed. It's just can they put a consistent race together? And once they do that, that five team's hard to beat.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Another thing that uh, wanted to touch on, but you kind of you teased it a little bit when we were talking about Chris Bell was, you know, Chase Elliott ran like absolute, for better of a word. Dog shit. The entire little first round of the playoffs there, um, just to have him reset, to go to the top of the grid, I understand that it's a regular season thing, and you got to reward the regular season. But, And we talked a little bit about this last week, but, man, it just does not sit well with me that we just reset it, and they just go back to, you know, the regular season points and just act like the first three races didn't happen. That, that just bothers me. I just wish they'd do something about it.
0: There's just got to be a way to blend it or just there's got to be some way to reward the guys that performed well in that first playoff races and the guys that didn't. I'm not saying completely knock Chase Elliott all the way down and Chris Bell to number one, uh, but there's got to be some sort of metric or way from people that are smarter than us to kind of, you know, make sure that those those playoff races weigh instead of, you know, oh, you made it. Congrats. Those races now are null and void. That's basically yeah. what it is. Chris, Chris Bell got nothing for, for his first three races.
1: Yeah, I, I just, there's something flawed in that system that, you know, I think the fans of the sport are kind of kind of seeing through a little bit here. So just something to keep an eye on. Maybe uh, as they go and, you know, they're looking to change things in the car and the offseason, things like that. Maybe they take a look at, at rules like that. Um, other than that, Bob, I think uh, some telling comments from the uh, president of Toyota talking about how uh, some of the parts should have maybe been a little bit more durable. Um, you know, he said Kyle Bush was, you know, down, missed a shift and it it blew, ended up blowing the engine, but was disappointed about it because the parts should have been better. Any thoughts about this one, Bob?
0: I'm not smart enough to understand most of the things that they're talking about with the car. Um, that said, if if one missed shift blows your whole engine, I mean, we've got to work on the reliability because, I mean, these guys are professional athletes, but, I mean, everyone is going to make a mistake at some point in these cars. That can't be something that destroys your whole race by missing one shift. We saw that with Denny. I can't remember what race it was, but it was early in the year. He missed a shift coming out of the pits and it blew his engine. So um, not the first time we've seen it. It's probably not gonna be the last, but it is frustrating for these guys that there is literally zero. And I mean, zero margin for error with these new cars because it's so unknown.
1: Yeah. And you know, I just, you see the mechanical issues coming And, you know, almost effectively ruin One of the, everybody's favorite races of the year At Bristol um, Just one of those things You you really hope NASCAR does something to fix this car Make it run a little bit smoother um, Just so that way These guys could get through races But, you know, Bob um, I, I gave my pick for the weekend with Kyle Larson Before we let the people go What do you got this weekend?
0: Yeah You know, I- it's weird track, Texas has been historically, you know, the last couple of years, Hendrick, although you saw Blaney win the all star race in the new car there, so not sure what to make of that. We both have him out. So clearly, we don't think he's winning. Um I actually think Denny Hamlin wins this race. I think that Denny at Texas, you know, they like you said, they've been running well for the last couple of weeks. I think they're due. I think that the eleven team is due. They've got a lot of top end speed, and they're just they're trying to put it all together. When the playoffs come and the, the lights are brightest, except for the championship four, I think Denny Hamlin's ready to perform.
1: Yeah, I like where your heads at because that's my championship pick from the uh, playoff preview. So, seems as if the podcast agrees, which is always good for both of us, Bob.
0: It's always good for morale when we can agree on something here.
1: Every now and again, the blind nut finds a tree, and you know I they don't like you cats. going
0: to bed mad at me. Okay, I don't like you going to bed mad at you me, know, babe.
1: I just I just don't think we can. I mean, it's one of those things. I, As a podcasting duo, we really have to make sure things are working and communicate and, you know, anything going on, Bob? Anything we need to talk about? Anything that we need to work out as a podcast here?
0: More than you should know and more than this podcast has time for. So uh, until we have a whole different spinoff, I think we'll leave that for uh, the lost episodes or the Patreon. Uh,
1: Of course. I think we'll keep that one safe under wraps per se for now. For now, they're are in the documents
0: be- at Mar-a-Lago. Oh yep.
1: no! Yep. Something tells me they're on a Clinton laptop somewhere.
0: It might be on a Biden laptop at this point, but anyway.
1: Down there at the pawn shop.
0: Oops. We made we made it a minute or an hour and seven before we uh, before we made any political jokes outside of David Koresh. So hey, yeah. you know what? We're getting better here, Adam. We're getting better. Oh,
1: Doing well, um, you know, I don't know. I think we kept it clean enough. Yeah, what? we were, we're adults doing...
0: this episode.
1: Yeah, we're clean. It's we the well. Sunday
0: night when we're when we we're, we're loose off of the weekend, and we're oh. basically deprived from everything feeling, we've watched.
1: That's when we're
0: that's we're inclined to get a little wild at that point.
1: Oh, Oh, one hundred twenty percent. You know, got to keep it tame on the weekdays. Um, I don't know anything else, Bobby. You got you got anything? I think we're done.
0: I, I think that's a wrap on episode 12, my friend. Unless you've got anything, I think that uh, we'll be back on Sunday night to basically preview uh, all of our bad picks and predictions from tonight. But uh, other than that, this was episode 12 of the Breaking Balls podcast. Thanks for
1: listening.